Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner, joined as always by RKJ, Ron Kopp Jr. We're excited to be here today because this is a training camp special. It's a fun time of year because training camp is kicking off. Today is the first day of the team in pads. Uh, so finally, there's a lot going on. Hopefully, you all enjoyed the Cross Pond crossover show last week. If you didn't, go back and check that out. Uh, but this week, we're going to go right to your Twitter questions and get some of Ron's observations. Ron's been in person in camp. I haven't been able to make it there yet, but Ron is our eyes on the ground. So we're going to hear from him. Uh, but uh, before I get too far ahead of myself, Ron, you doing well today? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. It is it is finally feeling like football season after a long off season. I feel like that was just the anticipation of waiting for like to see the new line, to see the new faces on defense, too. Just kind of waiting for everything. Uh, finally kind of coming to a head. We have stuff to talk about. So, yeah, no, I'm excited. Let's get into it. Well, let's get right to your questions from Twitter. Jake Wilson at Jake for now, always asking good questions. Uh, first, what play call or strategic changes do you predict with our new offensive line and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and McColl developing, adding in Gray, Powell, McKinnon? Man, I'm getting fired up just, just thinking about this. <laughs> What do, you, what do you think they're going to do strategically on offense that's different with this new look on offense? Well, Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, everyone knows Jeff Schwartz, right? Brother of Mitchell Schwartz, obviously. Um, he's already kind of pointed out one big thing that we've seen at them run at camp. And we've talked about it on this pod a little bit too, but the uh, the new gap scheme runs, and and one of them is the guard tackle counter. And it's funny, actually, I have some uh, some some lower level expertise on this uh, particular play because uh, my senior year of high school actually was like our staple run play. I mean, that was the, our, our, we ran it basically every time we, we ran a run play because we were a spread offense and, and threw a lot. So I love me some guard tackle counter. It does. I think it gives you a lot of uh, ability um, because these, these linemen are pulling through the hole, right? One of them's kicking out a defensive end. One of them's coming up through the hole. And you're not talking about a fullback leading you through the hole. You're talking about a big dude that can take on a linebacker and bury him into the ground and, and actually move him. You know, fullback maybe just gets in front more and, and, and gives him a pop. But, you know, if you got Joe Tooney or, you know, on the other side, Trey Smith, obviously, coming through that hole, man, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, someone's getting put into the ground. So, you know, I'm excited for that because they didn't run a lot of it last year. I actually did see him on film um, run it with Remmers and Wiley a couple times, and it just – you know, didn't really go anywhere. It was when Le'Veon Bell was getting a lot of the carries. So that is that is the, the guard tackle counter thing, and 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 that's the offensive line. But there's a lot of other stuff too. Um, but I'll let you, if you want to talk anything about that offensive line part of it. You know, I just had this visual of of Rimmers and Wiley trying to lead Le'Veon Bell through the hole, and it feels like a probably a slow motion version of. of- <laughs> yes. And this this season, we've already seen some of it on film from camp. I saw at least one play that was highlighted by a number of people where you had Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney leading, leading the way. And that was a very different look uh, than what we've seen and very different look from those other guys that would have been trying to run that same play last year. So that that's certainly going to be a piece of it. Um, I think Noah Gray probably expands the number of tight end, uh, multiple tight end sets we're going to see. And, and I think, Ron, uh, you saw a lot of that at camp as well, right? Yes, that is another emphasis uh, point that I had I took away from camp is that they were hammering those three tight end sets, especially on Monday, the, the last day before pad. You guys will be listening to this on Wednesday. 
Uh, they were hammering those three tight end sets. They had uh, Bell as the third tight end, and then Gray and Kelsey. Uh, really, Gray and Kelsey are the ones being targeted out of those sets. Uh, Kelsey had a, f- a few nice catches. Gray had one uh, one nice catch and then another back shoulder attempt that he – it was a tough catch to make for sure, but, I, you know, uh, it, it wasn't the easiest catch either. So, can't fault him too hard on that. But, yeah, so three tight end sets. I do want to say another thing, though, with uh, – he mentioned McKinnon. I think that actually factors into the guard tackle counter thing because on the on that play you're reading that backside end that n- no one is blocking like the tackle's pulling so that that end is is free he's free to go with the running back or not so if that end goes to the running back Mahomes will pull it and then you might have if you have a two running back set the, the other running back that's not getting that handoff is coming around and getting into the flat and that's where that can turn into a, a quick you know uh, a swing screen to like Jarek McKinnon who has looked good in camp so far he has looked explosive. He feels as good as he ever, ever has. And so I think McKinnon's actually going to have a pretty big spot on this team. And Mahomes is kind of acting like it, too. I think they all – all the uh, offensive staff and the players are kind of uh, acting like McKinnon's going to be a role player this year. Yeah, there's some excitement around him. So you're saying you could use a counter play like that to set up a misdirection, or would you use McKinnon as an outlet in that situation or, or both? Yeah. So, yeah. So like, it's imagine like a shotgun with a running, a, a running back on either side of Mahomes. So let's say the, the run is going to the right. So the running back on the left is getting that handoff, but if that end crashes down on that back, Mahomes can pull it. That right running back is actually maybe in motion too. We've seen them do it in motion, that orbit motion with Tyreek. He might be coming around the other side. And so with that, with the linebacker getting sucked into the run and that end getting sucked into the run, you give McKinnon space to the left open field and maybe two blockers ahead of him, you know, a two receiver set out there. Yeah. That's, that's something that uh, they'll utilize and, and, and they do use that motion and and that motion is going to be part of that play. And that actually will sometimes hold that end. So there's more room up the middle if the end wants to commit to the, to the motion back. Yeah. I think there's a lot crazy. There's certainly a more physical <laughs> offensive line and with the creativity of Reed and the misdirection plays that they run and all the skill player positions that they have, I think it's going to be interesting to see how creative you get. There's going to be some new wrinkles. It's already looks a little different this year than it did last year, just in those ways that you mentioned. Another way might be with Watkins departure, are they going to rely a little less on that traditional X role and let McColl be McColl as a number two wide receiver, not trying to force him to play Watkinson's role, but figuring out ways to get him the ball, continue to get him the ball and maybe increase his touches in doing what he does best. Yeah. And one of those ways they can do that is just, you're right by spreading it out, just being, being a spread offense, you know, getting Clyde Edwards Hilaire lined out wide too. So there's that extra threat out there. Um, but also, you know, uh, Gray and Kelsey, if they come out in 12 personnel and the defense reacts to 12 personnel, like, you know, most defenses do with bigger bodies, and they can spread it out empty and have Gray, Kelsey, and and Edwards Lair all lined up as receivers. You know, that's going to create a lot of mismatches. And that actually, they might actually, you know, prefer to put someone on Clyde as a coverage guy, a better coverage guy than maybe McColl or maybe even Noah Gray, too, depending on who their coverage guys are. And so I think that's how it could help McColl and, and to where it'll just give him a better matchup and, uh, you know, maybe an easier matchup. And just spreading it out to his speed. You know, you want to get him in an open space. So as much as, as much as spread out as you want to be, you know, that's better for McColl because the more open space he has to work with, the better. Well, that leads us to a question from Domsch at D-O-M-S-C-H Ethan uh, on Twitter. 
how often do you expect Noah Gray to actually play? He noted that he went to camp and saw Noah Gray and, and he looked good. I think there's been a lot of positivity around Noah Gray. The question's going to be, you know, is this a fun camp story? And he fades off into the background when the when the bullets are live, or is there a serious role for Noah Gray on this offense this year? Well, hey, one of the silver linings of Travis Kelsey leaving practice uh, that first week with hip tightness and back tightness was that Gray was was thrown into the fire a little bit more and and playing with the first team a lot more in seven on seven and eleven on eleven, and man, he 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 filled in admirably. Man, he was he was making plays. He made a, a nice catch over uh, Sanderson on a, on a deeper play. You know, he, he's made, you know, uh, catches over the middle. I think that's helped him develop into, you know, and, and we need to see him block, right? We, that That's the main thing. If, if he can't really hold up well as a blocker, then, you know, that, that changes how much he can play. But as a receiver, man, he, he's already, you know, he, he was routing up, you know, the linebackers. He's already kind of proven himself to be a guy that, you know, can play that second tight end role. And that's one thing with Andy. I feel like, it, you know, he's kind of lost it in recent years, obviously, because not having a second tight end, but. He's kind of he's kind of in his career has been known as a guy that loves to use those multiple tight end sets and pass out of it. And so, you know, he's going to be really tempted to use Gray in that role. You know, long, long thing to all, all say this. I, I think he's going to play, you know, a, a good amount, maybe more than the typical tight end two has in this offense since Demetrius Harris left. So, you know, I, I wish I had the numbers in front of me exactly a percentage as Blake Bell and Nick Kaiser have played. But I, I would I would bet the over on those numbers for sure. I think Gray is going to they're going to be tempted to use that uh, 12 personnel and passing plays. It'll be interesting to see those, those guys got a fair amount of snaps, but there wasn't a lot of production to go with it. There was not a lot of focus on, on Kaiser and, and those guys in the previous years. So with Noah Gray, his production may match his, his snaps a little bit more. I guess he, he may be more involved in the offense than your typical second tight end. And it sure looks like they're going to try to get him involved and be creative with him again absolute worst case scenario he's a nice backup for kelsey doing some of the things that kelsey does it sure seems like he's he's in the plans more than that yeah and and another point that i should have made is that we have not seen that h-back role type thing yet with the first team offense and training camp i have not seen them use him as an off ball you know in motion or anything i did see it however on a second team play with chad henny and at quarterback they sent him in motion, uh, you know, and then uh, from from that motion, he took off into the flat and was open on a pass play. So they may be thinking about it, maybe just not implementing it, uh, you know, soup right now. And and that, I think that actually speaks to maybe them thinking that he could just play a straight up second tight end and, and line up as a regular traditional tight end and, and make plays. So I'm 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 I was kind of throwing cold water on the Noah Gray thing uh, earlier this offseason, but I think I'm uh I might have to, uh, you know, get take my take my opinion back on that a little bit, just a little bit. I think he's going to be a playmaker. I think eat some crow on that one. All right. So from SoCal eleven eighty six, he said we haven't heard anything about Byron Pringle for a while. How is he looking in camp so far? What have you seen from Pringle? You know, Byron is just doing Byron. You know, not uh, not exactly like popping out necessarily. Haven't you know? He hasn't been like a star of camp or anything. But he's made he made one really nice deep catch on the sideline uh, a couple days ago. I believe that was Saturday in seven on seven. You know, the more and more we go along, the more it just seems like Byron's just gonna be that role player that's happy with playing that role. It's not you know not exactly you know uh, needing to be like a top receiver. You know, uh, playing a lot of snaps. Just a guy that's comfortable with his role. Going to be the kick returner, I think. And yeah, I I, I you know I, as someone that was kind of like you know we need to see more X snaps from Byron Pringle. 
I think, you know, he's just going to be that guy that steps up when he needs to. And if not, he's just going to be a solid role player. I saw something that he had lost a few pounds and he was looking a little faster in camp so far. Again, I haven't been there to see that in person, but that could serve him well on kick returns. I saw he even was suggesting that he could be a punt returner as well, even if if that hasn't been his role in the past. So maybe he is, he's sort of transitioning a little bit to, to utilize his speed more because he does have good long speed, in a, especially in a straight line, and we've seen that on some big returns in the past. Yeah, you're right. No, that, that's one thing that, you know, it's it's funny if he's working on his speed. It's like he was already pretty dang fast, but you're right. It, it, you know, losing those seven, it was seven pounds, he told Pete, uh, you know, in the media stuff. So seven pounds is 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 a significant number when you're only about 200 pounds and it's all muscle pretty much anyway. So because um, he's a he's a pretty rocked up dude. So, yeah, I, I, I think maybe he's just maybe he just really wants to be that kicker turner guy that, you know, and, and that's kind of his main focus rather than, you know, being a, a big time playmaking receiver, because I always thought his blocking ability was is very important. And I mean, if you know, maybe you don't lose that uh, just losing seven pounds, but, you know, you lose some strength. I have to imagine if if you're seven pounds lighter. I'd imagine for wide receivers, the blocking is more about technique and effort than it necessarily is about strength. You've you've seen some smaller wide receivers in the past that got after it as a blocker just because they they wanted it more than the other guys. So I, I don't think it necessarily means it's going to be a worse blocker, but but yeah, he's, That's a good, yeah. he's going to be a core special teamer no matter what. And it, it may not be that he does I'm sure he wants a bigger role in offense. I'm sure he's not settling, you know, but it may be real, you know, realism setting in. He may be just seeing that, that it's maybe not in the cards for him to pass up McColl or pass up, you know, the, the other depth chart, but carving out a nice career and a nice role for himself. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah. And it's his, it's his contract year. So, I mean, he does have a lot to to play for this year. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season, but, you know, maybe maybe just proving the, you know, knowing these chiefs, you know, knowing Dave Tobe, like if he can just prove that he is a, a really core special teamer and just a guy that knows the offense, man, he he'd be one of those guys that just keeps getting re-signed, re-signed short term deals, one year deals. And he could be he could turn into one of those guys. So but I think it's important talking about Pringle to bring up Cornell Powell, because I actually don't had not really seen Powell run much with the first team offense at all in training camp. Um, I, he's not really getting much run. He's gotten run with like the second and third teams and, and honestly more third team than second team. So like Shane Bouchel throwing him the ball and he actually has had a couple drops, I will say, um, that I've noticed. And, you know, I've only been there two days out of the week of training camp, but so, you know, I, I think Powell might be a guy that right away may not be contributing as much on offense as maybe we initially thought for a fifth round pick. It might be closer to what you should usually assume from a fifth round pick just a special teams kind of player. It's a little bit of a forgotten guy in the mix so far. We'll see if maybe that changes when they, they start getting to the games um, and he gets in and maybe has a chance to make a play or two. Uh, what about Clyde Edwards Hilaire from Crypto Karma 9 on Twitter? Does he look like this offseason has been beneficial for him physically, mentally, you know, getting into the playbook? Well, they've been running screens. They have definitely been running screens. I've seen a couple good screens of theirs, you know, and and without pads, it is kind of tough to know, you know, how well your run game is doing because, you know, you might get tackled uh, for a loss like in a real game. But, you know, you're going to as a running back in practice, you, you're taught to keep going and fighting and, and run through, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field. So and, and, you know, the run game is hard to tell right now. 
but no, Clyde, I think Clyde's one of those, you can tell when he talks too. He's, he's a professional man. He, he, he really loves football and takes it seriously. It's a, it's going to be a, a long time passion of his. And, and if the screen game keeps, you know, if they, they keep involved in the screen game in the past game, you know, he's going to keep getting better and better statistically and productively. And, and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be one of the best backs productively in the league. And, and people kind of, uh, you know, it's funny how much he slept on now, but uh, we'll take it, you know, in Chiefs kingdom. Yeah. He's, I think he's going to have a good year. Absolutely. I mean, again, his year last year was really underrated when you consider yeah. he didn't play a full season and still put up substantial numbers from scrimmage, 1,700 yards. And, and he's a he's really in line for a big role this year. I think McKinnon maybe eats into some of his passing game uh, reps. So maybe it's not – he's not going to be the 100% workhorse. They're going to rotate guys around. But I think Edwards Hilaire is going to be a guy they lean on to move the chains. And, and he's going to be a really valuable player for that reason. Yeah, he's a guy that I think – should be considered, you know, an all around back. I, I think he's, he's a good short, short yardage back. I know he's not like big, like Darrell Williams, but I think he has the legs to do it. You know, he's got those big legs. I mean, that's clear as day. And I just think, you know, it's also, also sometimes it's, it's almost more important to be kind of shorter in short yardage situations. Cause you have the leverage, um, you know, if, if you do take on a bat, you know, a linebacker in the hole or something, if you can get lower than him, you know, that's half the battle. And Darrell Williams is pretty tall, honestly. Um, and so, you know, I think you consider you should consider Clyde an all-around back, and and yeah, his just the way he's going to be using the receiving game this year, or it seems like it at least, it's going to really boost his you know what we think about him, and it's just his league-wide reputation for sure. So another player with a, a league-wide reputation that apparently is completely on the line based on what we're hearing out of practice. Uh, are you concerned about Patrick Mahomes after yesterday's three <laughs> interception performance? and the struggles that he's having. Do we have to start getting worried about Mahomes? Uh, yes, I'm being facetious. There's been some reports on Twitter about how he needs to bounce back from his three interception day yesterday. <laughs> we also had this question from Red 86 by the way. Um, could the three interceptions he threw be an indication of miscommunication uh, or improvements on the defense? Uh, hopefully it's it's more of a defense than an offensive story, but any concern about Mahomes from what you saw? It's funny because I was at the practice uh, that he threw three interceptions, and I came away thinking, man, the offense looks so good today, passing-wise at least. The run offense I don't think did. But, man, you know, Kelsey had some big catches. Ty- Tyreek had a big catch. They actually used their famous, you know, wheel route out of the backfield to the running back uh, out of the three-by-one formation to the isolated side, and that went for a touchdown. Yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, too many people are taking the, you know, the bounce-back thing you know, to heart, but it, it is, you know, it was his first three interception day of training camp. So yeah, no, but uh, to go, to go deeper into it though, uh, Noah Gray uh, on one, one of them, it was a pick six to Nick Bolton. Actually, he stopped his route when he was coming across the field and Mahomes thought he was going to continue to go. And so that's completely miscommunication because obviously one of them was wrong and Hey, who knows? Maybe, it was Mahomes, you know, we'll obviously go to, you know, we'll blame Noah Gray off the bat, right? Because, you know, he's a rookie. But um, and then the Willie Gay one, Willie Gay made a really nice play. He jumped in front of McColl, like really just exploded through, you know, and, and jumped right in front of him. It was really quick. It was one of those plays where I let out a, an audible like, oh, uh, when he made it <laughs> at camp. But 
he was, I, I, you know, it was kind of funny. I think he was out of position a little bit. Like he wasn't where he was supposed to be a little bit. Willie was, um, I think he was kind of, you know, he kind of cheated, but that's what good playmakers do. So that's, it's not, you know, saying anything, but you know, in camp Mahomes probably was in his head, like, you know, he was, he's not going to be there because he has this responsibility. And then he was kind of over there. Third interception though, was just a little behind Kelsey. Uh, Harris just got his hands on and then fought it away from Travis, but Travis still could have kind of caught, he got his hands on it, but it was behind him. And so, you know, there's some defensive plays in there, defensive plays being made, just some miscommunication, then just a little inaccurate throw. That was a good play by Darius Harris. So So there's my breakdown of all three picks. (laughs) I appreciate that. There there's obviously no concern about Patrick Mahomes. He's been, he's been Patrick Mahomes all the way through the, the off season. As far as I can tell, He's making plays. I, I saw this video of him doing the, the behind-the-back pass, just messing around, practicing, playing out of structure, practicing, doing the things that other quarterbacks, you know, might do in a panic situation. He's planning it out. This guy is – he's just on a different level, and it seems like any of those bumps and, and uh, hiccups, you get him out of the way in camp. I, I believe there was panic over Mahomes's four interceptions in one practice the year they went to he win the Super Bowl or was that the year he, he won the MVP either way <laughs> pick your yeah pick your choice yeah come on come on I'm, I'm not listening to any, any any concern about Mahomes uh as long as he's healthy he's going to be doing what he does and it is uh it's a joy to watch what he's doing on and off the field and he's having fun with it which is which is great so um, another question from Tom or Thomas Ramirez on Twitter. Is it Trey Smith's job to lose now? And, and Nate uh, Nash Basher seconded this question. Trey Smith's been running with the ones at right guard and doing well. And, and all eyes have been on him. There's been a lot of media excitement and from the local and the national level. You know, we thought that the veterans would get the first stab at that job, but Smith's been in there from day one, from snap one. He's not letting go of that position, is he? Well, that's a, you say from day one, he's taken every single first team snap at right guard. Uh, You know, to my knowledge, I mean, I I have not seen LDT and not heard anyone say LDT has rotated in at all at right guard. It is all Trey Smith. No one else has played right guard so far for the first team. And that's just, it's remarkable, honestly. Um, The fact that, because, I mean, we saw actually uh, the day I was at practice Monday, Lucas Niang was playing right tackle because Mike Remmers has been injured. And the coaches actually pulled Niang out to like, and you could see them coaching him up and kind of, you know, just maybe just needed a little like face-to-face, like take a few plays and like think about this. And then he got back in after a couple plays. They're not doing that with Creed Humphrey or Trey Smith. It's It's been all those two the entire time. That's just so impressive to me. I mean, I know Kyle Long was supposed to be in the plan. So maybe, you know, maybe it was his job to lose. Because obviously it wasn't LDTs. I mean, the fact that it's been a week now, we have not seen LDT take first team reps is, yeah, it's Trey Smith to lose. It is, absolutely is. It's crazy. And we said with him, he's a guy that has the physical ability. He's got the pedigree. You know, obviously he was drafted late for a reason, but we had kind of this feeling that if they gave him a chance to compete, if he ever got first team reps, he might not let go. And that really really appears to be what's happening. I don't see any anything to suggest that he's not going to be the day one starter and, and, a, and a pretty impressive one. Uh, so, yeah, 
definitely the competition at right guard might be in quotation marks where there's still an open competition, maybe at right tackle, or at least while Mike Remmers is injured, there's a competition there. I wrote a little bit about this in the updates on some of the training camp battles, but it's very possible that what we're seeing in camp are the guys that are available competing and getting, getting long looks. Things may change on that offensive line just a little bit when Kyle Long is healthy. When Kyle Long comes back, there is this chance that they just plug him right back in either at right guard or right tackle. It's not, it's not a given, but they started the offseason program with him as the guy, and then he got hurt. They seem excited that he's progressing well and coming back. He's going to factor in somewhere on that depth chart when he's back. Will it be a right guard? Will he unseat Trey Smith? At this point, it would be surprising, but it's not completely out of the question. Yeah, and if you had to guess, I would I would guess that, honestly, it, 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 when he comes back, so if he does go on the PUP, that's six weeks into the regular season, and, and maybe that's not what they do, and maybe he's just you know on the roster and getting back in the first few weeks. But I, I, what we, what you just said, Trey Smith not letting go of that right guard job. I think they'd be, it would be dumb of them if he is performing well to just throw Kyle Long in there and then leave right tackle on. I'd say, Kyle, you need to play some right tackle for us. Like, I could he be that much worse than what Remmers is? Uh, you know, as I know, Remmers has, just has more experience at tackle, maybe. But Kyle Long is a veteran offensive lineman. He's played right tackle in this league before, maybe not over an extended period of time. If Kyle Long is on the PUP, uh, which would mean he misses the first six weeks, but even if he's not on the PUP, even if he's just coming back in the first few weeks and Trey Smith does get some some run there and impresses, how do you take Trey Smith out if he really is playing that well and he is this physically dominant guy? Like, if he's that impressive, man, keep him in there. He's a guy that gives your offensive line energy by by being that physically dominant and stuff and, and gives the rest of the team energy, the offensive players too, the running back, you know, running behind a guy who's, who's playing that well. So that's why I'd say Kyle Long needs to work in at right tackle if that's the case. If, if, if Kyle Long comes back and they want their five best and Kyle Long seems to be one of their five best linemen, get him at right tackle. He hasn't played it for an extended period of his career, but he has played it before. He, he actually, in all the, the season he was an all-pro, I believe, or second-team all-pro, he was a right tackle or pro bowler. I, at the, off the top of my head, I can't recall, but he was a right tackle at a good part of his career. So, I mean, I, he can play it, and that's where I'd say he needs to work in. Well, one more question about a guy who's gotten some positive press so far, and then we'll get to our break uh, and come back with more of Ron's camp observations. Uh, the second half of the question from Jake Wilson was about Jaron Reed and whether his success is closely tied to his willingness to t- sign a team-friendly deal or Chris Jones's success at defensive end. But really, let's talk about Jaron Reed a little bit, about how he is performing in camp so far. I've heard a lot of the defensive players, Chris Jones, uh, the coaches and others talking about how the addition of Jaron Reed has really opened things up for this defensive front. Has that appeared to be the case to your eyes uh, in camp so far? Yeah, and Jaron Reed did confirm on Monday that that was part of the discussion when talking to the Chiefs about signing here was Chris Jones playing more on the edge and and just the whole line being more versatile. And and we've seen that with Spags, man. We've seen him use versatile linemen as, as in Ed ends going to defensive tackle on pass rushing situations. Not a lot of times have we seen D tackles go to edge. So it is unique in that way. But speaking of Reed, he was all over the place. Frank Clark was all over the place. Chris Jones was all over the place in run defense. I know they didn't have pads on yet, but I'm telling you, Clyde was meeting one of those guys in the hole like 
pretty much almost every run play I saw in, in, in an 11 on 11 period for an extended period of time. They don't run it a lot right now. They're still uh, pass heavy. But when they were running, Jaron Reed was the one that stuck out the most to me. He was he beat Trey Smith, particularly on one play. And he was just he was just in the backfield a lot. So Reed is definitely looking the part so far. And I'm excited. I think him, Clark, if Clark, you know, Clark's look big too, by the way. I, I think that's not something that many people have been talking about, but Clark has put on a little weight, I think, and not in a bad way. He looks, he just looks thicker and bulkier to me. Um, he's usually kind of a, 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 a skinnier defensive end. So I think this team, and that might be maybe because they want to, you know, use him around more in the interior and stuff too, maybe, uh, you know, in pass rushing situations. So, and, and Reed said that there's a lot of versatility going on in this line. Everyone's versatile. He, you know, he, everyone's talking about Jones right now, but this entire group can really move around and give the offense nightmares. With possibly the exception of Derek Nighty, who's pretty much yeah. what Derek Nighty yes. is. <laughs> but yes, the, the rest of the group has some, some end and tackle vers- uh, versatility. And I really think that these guys can, can make some noise this year. And Jaron Reed was probably my favorite offseason addition to this team because I, I really do think he's an active and a disruptive player and he's somebody that can can make a difference on this team and it sure looks like he's fitting right in and doing exactly that so far well with that let's take a quick break to pay the bills we'll come back with more camp observations on this training camp special on pads day on the out of structure podcast welcome back chief's kingdom Thanks for sticking with us on the Outer Structure Podcast. Matt Stagner here with Ron Kopp Jr. Getting all of your questions answered and all of the observations that Ron has seen in camp so far. I'm excited to hear more about some of these maybe surprising things that are coming out of camp. And actually today, again, being the first day of pads, we saw a great quote from Aaron Borgman on Twitter about how pads day is when um, is when it gets real, right, Ron? Yeah, and and we talk about the linemen so much on this podcast because that's the big offseason topic, right? Both sides of the line are really the talking point this offseason. And we have yet to see them in, in full pads where they could really show what they want. And uh, we've already seen Twitter uh, give a little a love to Trey Smith, apparently, on Tuesday. Uh, you know, we're recording this during Tuesday's practice. But uh, it sounds like Trey Smith is impressing uh, with pads on. But that's when the offensive line and defensive lines really – you know, the, 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 the men separate from the boys, as they say, a little bit. And so I wish I was there for the padded practice. I miss it by one day, but uh, hopefully I'll get out there. But, yeah, I, it's padded practice, man. It, it, it's time. And, and we're almost we're almost to the first preseason again. We got, what, 10 days, 12 days? We're almost there. Well, Ron, let, let's just start with overall your number one story from camp so far. What is the, the one thing that stuck out to you the most, whether it's a position group or a player? or a theme, whatever you've seen so far? Well, I'm surprised it took us this long to talk about our favorite position, the linebacker group. We love talking about our young linebackers. We love talking about other linebackers that we don't want to see it play as much, maybe. Um, yeah, so it's actually been a really good opportunity for the young linebackers this camp so far. And, and, and an unfortunate reason uh, is because Ben Neiman and Hitchens have dealt with hamstring injuries, uh, both being held out for for the most part of, of all practices. Uh, I mean, Neiman p- was playing for a while, but now he's been held out and Hitchens missed p- pretty much every practice so far. He, he got injured the first day. So the linebackers that have stepped up, uh, Willie Gay, uh, uh, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton and Darius Harris 
uh, young linebackers, uh, Stags, you have you want to touch on the young linebackers real quick? Well, just, just a little bit of uh, not breaking news, but I'm following the uh, observations come out of camp uh, as we speak. And Anthony Hitchens is back on the field uh, with both Bolton and Gay in the in the base set so far uh, in some of the team practices. So it's nice to see both Hitchens back on the field, but back on the field with both of the young second round picks uh, flanking him. Well, yeah, and, and that that continues the theme of the training camp. Uh, you know, Neiman missing missing practice is allowing them to do that. You know, I, I I think if the game started right now, they still would have Neiman as one of those three base linebackers, which I think we've made it very clear that uh, you know we would like to see the young linebackers get the opportunity more. And so now they are, and and they have all made plays. Willie Gay, and we talked about it a little early, had that pick of Mahomes, but he's made three other pass breakups in camp so far. He's he's been active in coverage. You can see the burst. Uh, one play where he almost picked it, you know, Mahomes just did not think he was going to be able to get there in time. And and that shows you how, how quick he is compared to the rest of the linebackers who Mahomes have been facing. But then also Nick Bolton has made a pass breakup and uh, he's actually been playing will in base when, when Hitchens was out and Neiman was at Mike, they had Bolton at the will linebacker and gay at Sam. And so I actually think that that tells you that they value Bolton's off ball, reading the line of scrimmage and, and making a play in the run ability more than gays who, you know, at Sam, you're, you're not able to read, you know, and, and react as much. You're just taking on a gap and controlling it. Will, you're, you're reading, you know, you, you're off ball. You can see it all happening. So I think that tells you that they may, in, 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 uh, you know, prefer Bolton's intelligence maybe a little bit to Willie Gay's in run defense. And then lastly, uh, before I hand it off back to you, uh, Darius Harris made a pick. I guess I did mention that earlier, the pick with Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, fighting for it. Darius Harris had to step up when Neiman and Hitchens were both out. He was playing Mike. And so he might be a guy that, uh, you know, because of that, he might make the roster at the fringes of, of the team. Yeah, I think we might be sleeping on him a little bit. The team seems to like him, or they at least seem to trust him to know that role. And he's he's made a couple plays so far. That interception yesterday, obviously, um, he's out there doing what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, maybe we've underestimated him a little bit. Uh, when it comes to the young guys in the outside linebacker positions, the team really seems to like a linebacker that can play all three spots um, or at least the outside two being not completely interchangeable, but they've done that a little bit in the past, right? So Damian Wilson played both the Will uh, and the Sam, and they want these players that can, that can play either side. So it's a really good sign, I think, that Bolton is already working at both of those spots. You've heard last year – when Willie Gay Jr. didn't have the full off season and he reportedly had some work to do on the mental side of the game or getting into the playbook, they said, we're going to start him off at Sam and let him just focus there. Uh, and then we'll give him some, some will. Right. So the fact that Bolton is already working at both spots is I think a good sign for Bolton who I've, who I've been a little bit lower on than most people, but Gay has really been one of the stars of camp so far. So a lot to be excited about with with the way he's playing. Yeah, and I and I do think it's a great point you make about Bolton because if, if Bolton is already playing Will, I think that shows you that yeah he is making a lot of progress in the playbook and that Spags trusts him, you know, to to have that role. And so you know he is a future Mike. We all know Mike. He should be the long term Mike in the future. You know, calling the plays, being the green dot. He has that ability. And so if he's already you know making this kind of progress, you know maybe they they can feel more comfortable about next off season when maybe Hitchens is, is released from the team so Bolton can kind of step up and, and take that role on. What else has stuck out to you in camp? Today I'm seeing a bunch of reports about a young player 
working in at safety that uh, is a little bit off the radar. Devin Key or Devon Key, I'm not sure which it is, has been working with the ones today, given a couple of injuries, you know, ahead of him. But um, he seems to be impressing or at least earning a, a long look so far. Yeah, and and I think that's important. Uh, you know, we probably should have mentioned it earlier, but yeah, Juan Thornhill, that's a big part. That's a big story from this training camp too. He injured his groin uh, in, you know, in Monday's practice. Um, never a good sign, obviously a guy that's dealt with injury already, obviously not the same injury, which is, you know, kind of a good sign, but I noticed even before Thornhill went out, he was playing quite a bit, rotating quite a bit in with the first team. You know, the first team defense has been strictly Sorensen and Matthew and at the safeties. Uh, no matter, you know, if it's nickel or, or, or base. And so it is, it is, you know, they haven't really been working Thornhill in you know, very much at all. Um, you know, on, on, obviously, you know, they rotate him in a little bit, but Sorensen and Matthew have been dominating those reps. And you actually see key get in with Thornhill quite a bit, almost just as much as Thornhill, which, you know, I like, like you mentioned too, Armani Watts is actually out, uh, you know, and he hasn't been practicing with the team in team aspect. He was with individual drills. But man, I mean, an undrafted free agent, you know, kind of working in as much as Thornhill with the ones. And, and it, it was clear to me that that was the case. Um, they, they really have been, you know, he's been rotating in, you know, clearly. So, and, and we already heard his name in OTAs and stuff and mini camps. So we already kind of knew this was happening a little bit, but man, I, I don't know if that means, you know, hopefully they were just kind of giving Thornhill, you know, easing them in a little bit, but for him to be kind of rotating in just as much as Thornhill, and that shows you that they really, you know, want to see him and really get their good look at him and see if they really want to use a 53-man roster spot on him. He's got a good athletic profile coming out of Western Kentucky, and I think he's a, a player that is one to watch from the undrafted ranks. We predicted early on that there wouldn't be very many, if any, undrafted free agents that make this roster because they're pretty stacked and there's not a lot of open jobs. This might be one of those that could potentially make the roster – because his competition are guys like Armani Watts, um, who has been uh, injured and, and coming back. I think he's back in practice uh, now, but it, it took him a while to get back on the field. And then you've got Will Parks, uh, who has got some experience in, in the NFL. But you haven't seen much of Will Parks yet in, in this defense, have you, in, in camp? No, not at all. That's that's. I'm glad you brought him up because I – I almost forgot he was on the team, <laughs> I, you know, watching practice and stuff. I I'm like, Oh, who's number 20. That's running with the third team. You must be some undraft. Oh, wait, that's, that's Will Parks uh, not getting any reps with the first team at all. Not really even getting, you know, the second team. It, 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 I really didn't see much of him at all. So that, that would make me think that he might've just been someone they, they wanted to see what would happen in camp and maybe just not impressing them. Like maybe they thought he would. What I have seen about Parks is he's talking about how much he's shadowing Tyron Matthew and learning from him. I've seen some mental reps where he's standing, you know, back and, and observing and, uh, you know, trying to trying to see what Matthew sees. So, you know, he's certainly working on it on the mental side, but it is interesting that he's not getting a ton of reps. Something else that's interesting today. Well, first of all, Tyree Hill, there's a little bit of concern about him today. He's been uh, spending a lot of time in the trainer's tent. I guess he went into the training tent and then took his pads off and started lifting weights and then put his pads back on. Looked like he was coming back into practice, but then he left practice, walked up the hill. Uh, so it doesn't appear to be anything super serious for Tyreek. 
but something to watch training camp injuries, probably the number one goal of anybody in training camp is to get through it without getting hurt, especially your number one guys. So that's something to watch. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on Tyreek and how he's been so far. Yeah, well, Tyreek's been amazing. He's been the camp star for sure. I would say, um, like if you're if and 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 obviously, you know, we're getting excited about other younger players a little more maybe because we're so used to it, Tyreek. But if if we didn't know anything about Tyreek going into this training camp, he would be you know everyone's you know talk of the town, every topic because he's just been you know he's been that good. He's been, him and Mahomes have been connecting that much. But yeah, with these injuries, uh, you know, I don't know what the what the Tyreek one is, but you know with you know, the hamstrings and stuff, that's a soft tissue thing. You know, that's just going to happen early in training camp. Obviously, Kelsey with the back and hip tightness, that's going to happen. The groin thing is a little, I mean, I guess that is kind of in that same category of soft tissue a little bit, um, but you don't want to see that. I mean, that's that sucks to kind of come back from. It's kind of hard to get, you know, 100% back from that um, without kind of being limited, limiting yourself a little bit. So I'm talking about Thornhill there with the groin injury. Yes. After coming back from the knee injury, then immediately going to a groin injury is not uh, probably pretty frustrating for Thornhill at this point. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of frustrating, yesterday you said, or earlier you said that yesterday the defensive line was winning a lot of battles uh, in camp uh, in team versus the offensive line it sure looks like today now that the pads are on I'm seeing some highlight reel stuff from Orlando Brown and uh, the rest of the offensive line some uh, really excited tweets about Trey Smith uh, a couple of notes that uh, uh, Mahomes just standing in the pocket with plenty of time to to read and and, and make his throws uh, so sort of exciting to see the offensive line doing well on their first physical period here. Yeah. And, and that was always, that's why you got to preface every line talk with, with what we were saying with the, you know, not being pads on. Cause that is really, this is really when it starts, you know, getting going and they keep saying it, you know, Reed has said it, you know, Brown has said it. That's when the, you know, pads getting on is when it really gets going. So that's good. No. And, and I, and I've already seen, you know, uh, Trey Smith a couple times being, uh, you know, complimented. So, I love it, man. This is a good time of year getting these updates like this, just talking Chiefs. Um, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm ready for preseason football too, because that's when we'll really get to, you know. I'm, I'm sure these rookie linemen, you know, just because the first team doesn't mean they're not going to play quite a bit in that preseason game. So I bet we'll get a lot of looks from Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, but we'll obviously touch on that when we get there. But yeah, it's 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 a good time of year, Matt. It's a good time of year. Uh, what about the other camp star, uh, Jody Fortson? What have you seen from from him? Is there a real chance that he makes this roster? I just saw a tweet that he uh, found an open spot in the defense and got an easy conversion. Uh, what do you think about Jody Fortson so far? Well, I I do think he's the other. You said it, the other star of training camp. If we didn't know anything about him going in, we might be a little more intrigued about him. I think his name's just getting a little fatigued to it now, and just the fact that Noah Gray and, and Blake Bell are clearly above him and. That is the thing, though. We got to remember last year they kept Ricky Seals-Jones around, a fourth tight end for really no reason. Uh, he didn't really make any sort of impact at all. In fact, he actually the only real impact he made was a drop, I, I want to say, in a in a crucial spot, if I remember correctly. I think it was in the playoffs against the Browns. He dropped an easy pass. But so, they, you know, if they do keep four tight ends, he's the logical choice for the fourth guy because um, Nick Kaiser has been injured and not playing, and I think you don't need – I think Blake Bell or Nick Kaiser, one of them was making the team. I don't think the other, it ever made sense for both of them to make the team. So there's an opportunity in that sense. 
And he has been playing pretty well. He actually, you know, he's getting run. They're rotating a lot of tight ends in with the first team when Kelsey went out. So he did get some run as a tight end, getting some passes from Mahomes. So if they do want a Ricky Seals Jones type, he kind of fits the same kind of profile. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe maybe that is the plan. Maybe, you know, maybe Jody Fortson lovers will finally get their day in the sun. You know, I would be a little bit surprised. I still feel like he's um, just right on that cusp of of being somebody that you can rely on within the within the offense. He's sort of a tweener between wide receiver and tight end. We always get excited about those giant wide receivers or the pass receiving tight ends. And and you don't see a lot of them pan out. You know, he's been around for a couple of years. You know, maybe he's finding a stride now or maybe he's just a perennial practice squad player. I guess we won't really know until cut downs come. But I'd be really curious to see if they carry four tight ends at whose expense. Like what, what position are they going lean on to carry an extra tight end? Yeah. So in that is one thing, you know, that'd be 10 linemen that I factored in to, to get to my 53 man roster projection. They have kept nine in the past. And, you know, if Kyle Long is on the PUP and doesn't count against the, the roster, you know, maybe they count him as the 10th lineman and, and only keep nine. And maybe Allegretti, you know, uh, is cut or. Maybe that's when we see LDT, you know, wave that trade clause and, and go somewhere where he can maybe get a better playing out. And so, you know, that that's where they could cut someone to make room for the fourth tight end. Uh, six receivers, too. You know, maybe they think they don't need six receivers. Maybe they think they only need five. And so Callaway gets cut or, uh, you know, I, I, I guess that'd really be the only way for them to get to five. I can't imagine they'd cut or get try to put Cornell Powell on the practice squad. Um, he wouldn't survive on the practice squad. He'd get taken up. So, yeah, it's interesting. It, you know, I, I would definitely bet that it wouldn't happen, that uh, we'll definitely see three tight ends and Jody Fortson will just be you know another training camp name that will remember forever and nothing will ever happen from it but uh you know it is interesting because he has had he has looked good at tight end he has made plays as a tight end well they have a ton of bodies at offensive line my current projection still has nine offensive linemen going in with six wide receivers three tight ends and four running backs on offense I think they always are going to carry that extra running back just because it's a position where you need a lot of bodies and you go through a lot of, of injuries and, and wear and tear. Uh, Darwin Thompson may have some competition for that fourth spot. He hasn't been on the field uh, yet because of the, the COVID situation, but uh, that's a position to watch. Can they carry a fourth tight end and a fullback and, you know, a, a full complement of wide receivers? I'm not sure. It will be tough to get down to, to numbers on the offensive line. And that's why it's worth worth really watching where Lucas Niang plays. If he is the swing tackle, um, or if he if he wins that right tackle spot, you want your backups to be really versatile on the offensive line. So I think they could carry nine offensive linemen pretty logically as long as all of their backups can play multiple positions. And I think that's true already for for Austin Blythe if he makes the roster, for Mike Remmers if he's not the starter, uh, he certainly can play multiple positions. Uh, so th that really does make me believe that if Trey Smith wins the right guard spot, then LDT might be the odd man out and they only keep nine on the offensive line. But a lot to be determined when it comes to roster spots. And a lot of it, we're, not, we're just frankly not going to know much about um, at least until we see the preseason games and maybe not even then. Uh, another name that, again, has popped up today, uh, just now that I'm, I'm curious to see what you thought in person of Joshua Kando. He just had another good rep, it sounds like, where he would have had a sack uh, if it was a live period. Uh, how's Kando coming along? Does he look like somebody who they can get in the mix early? So I think 
the fact that I really, you really didn't see Kando in the practice I was at, like doing much with the first team or, you know, rotating in much with the first team. I think that just shows you how many bodies they have right now and how many guys, you know, with Elkafor or Dana and Damone Harris has actually been practicing, you know, up in that rotation, kind of up with those guys too. He's been rotating in with the second team. But I will say Monday, towards the end of practice, all of a sudden I started to see Kando pop a little bit. Uh, the third team, he's going against Wyatt Miller at right tackle, who, you know, is just a throwaway guy. Um, and Kando got a couple pressures. He Around the edge, he forced quarterback to scramble out. And then he actually, uh, next play, countered back in with a nice move to collapse the pocket on the quarterback. <clears throat> and it would have been probably a sack. And then, actually, I noticed right after that first team came back on the field and they got Kando in there. Didn't create pressure or anything, but man, he exploded off the ball. Like it was very noticeable how quick he got off the ball, how, you know, how much he, he did like penetrate the pocket a little bit. He just didn't get past. Um, it would have been Orlando Brown at the left tackle, but man, I, I do think you can see why he was a five-star recruit. And if he, if he can just harness that and, and really just be a pass rush specialist, I mean, do, does the team really need him to be that great at run defense? I mean, I know it'd be nice to obviously get a guy that can be a stout run defender, obviously, but Man, if he can just, you know, make tackles work on the outside or just be a, a, a pass rush presence and, and be fresh legs at the end of the game when, you know, the offensive line's tired and all of a sudden this Kando guy who's only had five snaps all game on fresh legs comes in and works him. I mean, he could really be a, an X factor for the defense, I think. Uh, but I don't want to get my hopes up too much. I don't want to get my hopes up too much. So he looks the part physically, right? Like he, he's, a, yeah. he's a good athlete. He's big. Uh, he looks like an imposing figure. Yeah, no, he's, he's huge. No, he is, he is like Tano Passino, uh, comps are lazy, um, because of how they play, but the size wise, like he is kind of, he's kind of that standout tall figure like Tano was, but they just don't really play the same. So he's probably competing with guys like Tim Ward for, uh, for those sort of backup or situational snaps. Uh, Alex Okafor seems to be working his way right back in, you know, to the rotation as well. So they do have a lot of bodies at defensive end. Uh, is the concern at that position maybe a little less than, than it was at one point? Oh, absolutely. I think so. Because uh, honestly, now I, I don't have Tim Ward making the active roster, which I, I did for a while this this offseason. But um, I, I say they keep five defensive ends. And if you include Chris Jones, at six. And so, uh, you know, and then there's four defensive tackles. So that's 10 total defensive linemen. I think that's what they'll kind of want. And so, I, and I haven't really seen Tim Moore be used at all and, and, and rotated in. Like, even though Kendo was very limited, he still was put in with the first team defense and played. I, I didn't really see Tim Ward get those kind of reps. Obviously, you know, that's the two days I've been there. But, and so like I said, Timon, I just saw a report that Tim Ward had a, uh, had what would have been a sack in, you know, with uh, I think the third team on the third team defense against Anthony Gordon at, at quarterback. Um, so yeah, he's, he's rotating. He's deep in the rotation, but he's certainly been yeah. out there. A name that I was surprised to hear positive things about, which uh, maybe I shouldn't be, but, uh, and Colin Saunders has been standing out a little bit with his quickness in camp. And that's, that's what he's known for. I mean, that's, he's, he's a remarkable athlete for his size, but is he, uh, did he catch your eye? He did. I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I was. I, I would be very. I would regret this podcast if I did, if I didn't mention him while we were recording because he did. He has stuck out to me. And honestly, I think he's been rotating. You know, I. I think him and Turk are 
are either even or Collins gotten a little more run with the first team. Maybe in my, in my opinion, I've seen him rotated in there with Jaron Reed beside him and, you know, Chris Jones on the edge. And he, uh, just on Monday, he had a really nice rep where, and I, you know, I just happened to be kind of looking at the interior line when it happened, but man, he beat LDT very quickly on a swim move, just boom. And right there and right in the, and right in Henny's face, Chad Henny's face, uh, second team. OL. So, yeah, I, I think he's he's made a few plays that have stuck out to me. And, you know, he's that bigger body that Staggs or Spags, not you, <laughs> Spags has really like the way. bigger body types at defensive tackle that kind of can plug like a little him. more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you like him too. And then Turk, you know, as great of a pass rusher as he was last year, you know, he's just not that run-stuffing type. So maybe they kind of value Saunders a little more down-to-down down maybe this year because if he is healthy – because he is that bigger body and, and can kind of stuff gaps a little better than, than Turk can. So I, I, I do think Collins had a good camp so far. And I think he's, he's, you know, he solidified himself to me in my mind on the roster right now. And again, the numbers work out pretty well. That idea of having 10 defensive linemen with Naughty Reed, Wharton and Saunders as your tackles uh, with Clark, Dana, Taco, Kendo, Jones, and Okafor as your edge. Yeah. That's 10. Uh, Tim Ward being the odd man out there. Maybe he gets another year on the practice squad. But, um, you know, the numbers work that way. If they consider Jones a full-time edge or a primarily an edge, obviously he's going to rotate. We know Chris Jones is going to rotate uh, with the interior. But if, if we're marking out position groups and maybe the team doesn't even care, maybe they just say 10. We just need 10 total. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. six and four or five and five. But uh, – that may be the way it works out, and and maybe we were underestimating Colin Saunders uh, all along. Maybe he's healthy now, and and he'll be able to utilize his his quickness and his athletic ability. Man, and and imagine if Colin Saunders does step up and, and play like we kind of hoped he would. I mean, this defensive line. I mean, we keep talking about it, but it just keeps getting more and more depth, and and just guys that can be situational type of players and make plays in in certain places. I mean. I, I, I kind of wrote about it uh, with the three takeaways we had uh, this offseason from the Chiefs offseason off moves, but one of them is the Chiefs do not want to lose in the trenches, and and I feel like they've made some good moves to where there's not going to be a lot of times where they're just completely you know lost and 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 beaten in the trenches by the other team. Offensively, it's going to obviously be a lot more. You know, the offensive line is a little more dominant maybe than the defensive line could be, but either way, I think in the trenches they're they're good, man. They're gonna they're gonna be. You know, that, that's that's a point of emphasis this offseason. They've really improved it. Uh, which has got to be scary for the rest of the NFL to say a team as talented as the Chiefs are at the skill position all of a sudden is also going to be good in the trenches, you know, because it's usually it seems like it's one or the other that teams yeah. with a lot of speed and a lot of playmakers are soft and and teams that are good in the trenches maybe can run the ball but but don't have the passing game this might be the best balanced team we've seen yet out of the chiefs and maybe one of the best uh, that we've seen in the league for a while, if, if it all comes together. Yeah. And, and I think a simple way to put that is just, and I put it in this article was just, Hey, the chiefs are going to have the quarterback advantage every single game they play. As long as Mahomes is healthy, if they have the trenches advantage in most of those, or, you know, in, in 90% of those games or, you know, whatever number, I mean, are you losing a game where you have the quarterback and the trenches advantage? It's just hard to see it. So, I mean, if they're giving themselves that that ability to win both of those areas of the game almost every time, 
I mean, that's how you go 20 and 0. I mean, if they're going to go 20 and 0, that's how you do it. Yeah, we always say it's it's coach and quarterback. If you've got the best coach and quarterback combination, you're probably going to win that week. Uh, but but do, that is parallel to this idea that the games are won and lost in the trenches. And and yeah, if you can cover all of those bases, obviously Andy Reid's still amongst the league's best. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is clearly the league's best. And then you know you've got the best tight end in the league. You've got top two or three wide receiver in the league, and with those positions covered and winning in the trenches. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun year. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it is kind of crazy. I mean, uh, you know, if you have all those X factors that are already so hard to overcome, and now you're saying that you're probably not going to lose the trenches battle a lot too, man, it is, they're setting up themselves, you know, as long as everyone stays healthy and everyone's, you know, uh, highly motivated throughout the season, it's going to be another fun year in chief's kingdom. So I'm excited. I can't wait for it. Let's get it going. Well, another fun player to watch. I, I keep seeing things about McCole Hardman making plays. Um, did you see much of him at camp? Did you see any plays there? It looks like he's made a couple of catches already today. Yeah, no, McCole is, you know, he hasn't stood out in any particular way. Uh, you know, I, I've seen, you know, Mahomes miss him, uh, but I don't think it was McCole's fault or anything. I did have one, uh, you know, where I did have one note about Hill, Hardman, and Callaway all being lined up on the same side of a formation in a trips look and, and against first team. And actually one particular play, they actually had Hill and, and Callaway as the inside receivers just clear out, just go straight, you know, like they're running deep and then right, bef- right below them, right between them or, you know, under them, uh, McCall Hardman grabs a slant. And obviously because of Hill and Callaway's speed threat, the defense is completely backed up and there's a bunch of room for McCall to work. So, yeah, that's where, that's where we kind of mentioned it earlier with uh, how it could help McColl by opening up and just being more spread. Is those deep threats are going to open up the intermediate parts of the field if if Hill and Callaway both make the team, or you know Hill obviously, but if Callaway makes the team and and can have some first team reps, man, that the defense is going to be fearful of his speed, and that's going to help McColl. Yeah, a lot of that gets lost in the talk about what McColl needs to work on is what he's already spectacular at. And, and when he gets the ball in space, he's on a different level. It looks like the, he's, he's in fast forward as compared yeah. to the defense sometimes. His speed and quickness, like Tyreek's, is notable. It stands out on the field. You, you say, whoa, like what, how did – it was like a blur, right? Like yeah. when, when he gets moving in space with the ball, uh, it, it's different. And so – yeah, get him on slants, get him on, you know, into rounds. I don't really care how you get McColl the ball, but he'll have success with the ball in his hands and and his he can use his speed to to their advantage. I don't need him to be an X receiver. I don't need him to to win jump balls every time. Uh, they shouldn't put him in that situation anyway. He needs to be he needs to be clearing out, you know, again in those in those situations where he can get the ball and just run past people. Yeah, and and for my money, Tyreek and McCall are the two fastest players in the NFL. I I I really do think the Chiefs literally have the two fastest players in the NFL. And I when you have that kind of speed, if you're McCall, I mean, you really you know you can win without a lot of the other stuff that we kind of want from a receiver. And you're right. No, I'm glad I'm glad you're making that point. I do still think though, the team, and they're kind of evidenced by going after Juju Smith-Schuster this offseason. I think the team would still still values having like a second, like established receiver that can, you know, if they already know is, is a talented player that can win on quick routes and, 
you know, create separation by himself on route running. And I do, and I think because they missed out on Juju and there wasn't a lot of other options, I think they kind of just said, all right, McColl, like prove it to us this year. But I do think if McColl is still just, you know, a gadget, which, which like we're saying is nothing, there's nothing wrong if it's is helping the team succeed. Um, you know, if he is just more of a gadget player rather than a true receiver this year, I still do think we'll, we could see them go after a big name receiver next off season, kind of like a Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a free agent again next off season. So that's just something I do want to put out there. Or maybe the team just took a um, different approach to it after they missed on Schuster and other wide receivers in free agency. Maybe that's the Noah Gray role. Maybe they're looking at how can we get more tight ends on the field that can create space and separation and, and sit down in the zone and, and move the chains because they have struggled at times when teams take away the deep pass and there's not enough outlets. There's not enough guys open. So maybe that can be some combination of Noah Gray uh, and, and the other guys that they have on the roster and, or, and, or maybe getting McColl more involved doing what he does best will open things up underneath for those guys a little bit because you hate to see it when when Kelsey and Hill are both taken away somebody else has to step in there and whether it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, Noah Gray, you know, or McCole Hardman or somebody has to step in and, and and make those plays. They don't have to be a certain physical type to do that. They just have to be able to get open. Yeah. And, and it's, it's all going to help with the increased offense or the, the, you know, the improved offensive line. I mean, that's going to help everybody. I mean, every receiver is going to have more time to get open. You know, routes are going to have more time to develop. You know, Andy's going to be able to run, you know, more seven-step drops where, yeah, you know, you can only guard these guys for so long. So, yeah, no, I think that is important. And I think, I think the whole receiver group is going to improve this year. And I do think, you know – once they missed out on Juju, you know, they were they were willing to, you know, test them out and just go for it because they have Mahomes, they have Kelsey and Hill, you know, it, they can't get everybody, right? And so they know they're going to still have a good offense. But I do think if, if if it you know, if for some reason the tight end two set just isn't as as, as efficient this year or, or maybe they still think they need a established receiver because McColl hasn't, you know, I, I could still see them going after Juju next year. There's some other good names out there either, but – but I think they prefer – they would definitely prefer that McColl just steps up and becomes a, two, a second receiver because then you get him – you know, you hopefully you can extend him for kind of cheaper than you would pay for a bigger name receiver. So it looks like the fun is really starting at Chiefs camp with the one-on-one drills between the offensive and defensive line. I keep seeing reports of there's one where Chris Jones took Orlando Brown, backed him up, and threw him to the ground, uh, which is pretty impressive given the, the difference in size and strength there. Um, then there was another rep where Creed Humphrey stonewalls, Derek Nottie and, uh, and, the, but then Humphrey later got beat, um, by Tershawn Wharton. So one thing I always struggle with in training camp, and I, I, I assume you do as well is for every good rep of one player, it, it's could also be a bad rep for whoever he's going up against. So who do you cheer for in all of these drills when, uh, you know, when both of them are chiefs, right? So when one, when one of them's playing well, it's like, hey, great, Chris Jones just dominated. And then you're like, oh, Orlando Brown just got dominated. So I call it like a training camp conundrum, uh, but I don't know if you felt the same way out there watching practice. 
man, Nick Jacobs saying that he tossed him to the ground. Chris Jones tossing Orlando. Man, that I, I was not expecting to see that. I, I will tell you that much. Um, you know, I, I, I think I will, I will offer that just that specific matchup. I think I would take away that Chris Jones is going to be a handful for offensive tackles to deal with, no matter how bendy he is, no matter he is going to give them hell because he is a lot heavier and a lot stronger than most of the DNs that they faced in, in today's NFL. Um, but yeah, I, you hate to, you don't want to see that from Brown, but at the same time, are you going to see defensive ends like Jones and, and, you know, in the regular season, you know, maybe not. Cause there's not a lot of 300 pound defensive ends that are still as, as quick and, and can move as well as him. So yeah, I'm man, that video is... of, uh, of Trey Smith battling Chris Jones and, and holding really holding his own Smith is really able to anchor and, and push Jones uh, out of, out the direction he wanted to take him, uh, which is pretty fun to see. I love these little snippets of video coming out of camp. If you can't be there, it's the next best thing. But this this conundrum does go right back to that question about Patrick Mahomes, right? So if if Mahomes throws an interception, you don't get worried about Mahomes. Maybe you get excited about the defensive player, or maybe you get concerned about the receiver who wasn't where he was supposed to be. You know, there's which what I want to see in camp is a back and forth. I don't want to see that the offense dominate every single rep through the entirety of camp because then you, you're pretty sure you're going to have a problem on defense. Uh, vice versa, obviously, you don't want to see that either. What you want to see them is going back and forth, each one making plays, which gives you some idea that they're competitive and that both units are going to have some, uh, some, some good seasons ahead of them. Yeah, and I think to your point, it's been that camp this year. I think it's been back and forth. I think both sides of the ball have made plays, and and both sides of the ball have gotten their better days than the other. And and so that is a good sign. You know, I, I I'm glad you you made that point because you know if we're all just all excited about Mahomes all all training camp and there was no picks, uh, we wouldn't be very happy with the defense. So, yeah, I think I think I think it's been a good camp just overall for for you know it's a Super Bowl level camp. I mean, this is a super. I mean, just a compare i'm just i just saw that the new york giants just got in a full-out team brawl where the quarterback daniel jones was at the bottom of the pile i mean can you imagine seeing that at chiefs camp i mean i know so i it's just it shows you how well run this organization is and you know how maybe how good we got it as chiefs fans right now just like yesterday nick bolton just got another interception of mahomes uh but in this instance uh kelsey turned the wrong direction and and uh <laughs> bolton stepped in so i love that bolton's taking advantage of those reps i'm not too worried about kelsey and and mahomes getting on the same page uh this season in that instance you know some may read that as there's a problem on offense but i read that as hey the defense is making their their plays and and uh, uh getting after it so uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of conflicting information can, coming out of camp. We'll continue to watch those updates rolling in. If you have a chance to get to St. Joe, get there. Uh, you won't regret it. It's a great experience being there. I wish I could be there more. Uh, but we really appreciate Ron's insight. Ron, thanks for being the eyes and ears on the ground. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good insights. Uh, for, the, for the rest of you listening, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for spending some time with us and listening to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Listen to all of the other shows, Ron and BK, the great British Chief Show, and others. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next week on the Out of Structure Podcast.